Welcome to the Small Business Surgeon Podcast, the show where we dissect the businesses of top producers, examine their growth strategies, and share with you the bare bones of their success. I am your host, Samuel Smith, and I'm glad you're here. Let's operate. Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to this week's episode of the Small Business Surgeon Podcast. And guys, I'm pleased, very pleased to bring you today's guest. I've been wanting to get her on the show ever since I met her last year. Uh, she's the owner at the Realty One Group Gold Standard in Pittsburgh, PA, and she is an absolute superstar when it comes to real estate. Guys, please welcome to the show, uh, Dion Malish. Welcome. Hey, thank you for having me. I'm so glad to be here. I was excited when you asked. Oh, well, you know, I've been wanting to get you on uh, on the show for a while. You've been on my radar. Um, you've got a real estate team up there in Pittsburgh with over 200 agents on it, right? We do, yes. I have a partner too. And uh, we have, I think we're at like 205, but, you know, some come, some go. We have that normal attrition, right? Uh, given, given my understanding of, uh, of realtors, that must be like sitting in a very large barn with about 200 cats. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, I think it's probably less that are like cats, but there's a lot. It's it's more than I ever dreamed it would be. And every day there's an issue that we never heard of before. <laughs> and <laughs> so, uh, it's funny because, you know, people from the outside looking in, especially, you know, it's, I, I spent a, a good portion of my career in and around real estate and people on the outside looking in look at somebody with 200 agents and go, my God, I wish I was them. They must have it made. And you come on the podcast and you're like, oh my God, there's so many problems. <laughs> and so uh, problems every so day. I want to dig into that. But before we do, tell me a little bit about who you are and where you came from. So I have been in real estate for about 18 years and mm -hmm. I started as a residential real estate agent and I just worked myself up, tried many different companies and realized at some point that I was either going to move or do something different. And that's when we decided to do Realty One Group and we bought the franchise. It was a disruption model. So we were able to bring it to Pittsburgh and be different than everybody else, which caused a lot of stir. But prior to real estate, I've been entrepreneurial my whole life. I worked a few jobs realizing that I was not made to work to be an employee. <laughs> See, I, I used to I used to calculate how much I was making every minute and how much I was making every second. I just get so bored working regular jobs. Uh, it's crazy. And then when you see people working and their work ethic and you're like, I can get this done in 15 minutes, you know, and they're mm -hmm. taking three, four hours. And then the whole thing about getting in a union and then we were in a union and they're like, you can only do so many jobs per mm -hmm. day. And I'm like, I can do three times that amount. And they're like, well, you can't. You can't Dude, do it. I, I made that mistake. I've I've hired like former city employees and former government workers, and I'm just wow. The because uh, we unions aren't very strong in Texas, but they 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 operate like that, and it's like you can only do X amount of work um, before the rest of them start looking at you for making them look bad. Yeah, they do. It was crazy. They called me into the. I actually got in trouble for doing too much work. Yeah, so it's not <laughs> my life. I cannot live like this. I'm just I'm fast. I mean, I'm older now, so. I may not be as fast, but I, I just get a lot of work done in a small period of time. Mm -hmm. so, so I did that and then I realized that. So I started a, my own graphic design business and I uh, realized that, you know, it, it was going great and mm -hmm. I loved it. It's so fun. I mean, how, what's not fun about making things, right? I get to make shirts and hats and brochures and logos and um, websites. Like, everything you could think of, I could create wine bottle labels and beer yeah. bottle 
Mm -hmm. all kinds of cool stuff. Mm -hmm. So we did really well. I had a pretty successful go of it. And um, I got into a partnership. The partnership totally destroyed the whole thing. And that's when I decided I needed to not have my eggs all in one basket. So that I started my real estate career. And my second year, I realized that if I really put the two together and I married real estate and graphic design, mm -hmm. I could stand out in the, in the uh, crowded marketplace. So a lot of my life has been about standing out and being different. And I think that's what Realty One Group showed us, that we could stand out in a crowded marketplace. We could be the difference. And we could push this idea of the agent makes more money here, right? And mm -hmm. we thought that would be such a huge incentive for them. But there are so many people, Sam, that we sat across from that are like, you'll make 50,000 more dollars here a year or a hundred thousand more dollars here. And they're like, well, I like my manager. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, how do you like manage that much? <laughs> like if they had a $50,000 raise, they'd run out the door. Mm -hmm. So we thought that we would find 90% of the agents would want more money where it's really not, it's like 1% want more money. The rest want comforted and mm -hmm. supported and, you know, it all kind of goes with a disc profile and how that works. You know, you have the high yeah. Ds and Cs, the Is and Ss are majority of the people. So we just didn't understand that. So anyways, we I started doing real estate. I never anticipated starting my own real estate company. It wasn't like one of my dreams on my dream board or anything like that. I like the entrepreneurial side of real estate because I could create my own little dynasty underneath the brokers. Right, but right. When Mike brought this to me, I thought, ah, oh, this is pretty cool. We could actually run out in this market that's been the same for a hundred years and change it. So what was the first few years in real estate like for you? Because I know a lot of realtors coming into the business really struggle over that first 18 to 24 months. And we end up losing a, a very large percentage of newly licensed agents. What was your takeoff like for you? How did it how did it go in the beginning? The first six months, like everyone, it was, I think I closed 400,000, which equates to about mm, not very much money, like maybe 10, 12 grand. Well, it's 12, it's 12 grand before broker fees. If you're on yeah, the same rate as everyone else, we're 50% fees, uh, right? So, so six grand then. Yeah, yeah. So I was not too happy about that. But then after I started just getting involved in, in really marketing and I mean, not full blown marketing like what you do, but the idea of putting myself out there and, you know, being top of mind, uh, being the one person everybody thought of, you know, doing the billboards, doing the, you know, the TV spots or whatever that we mm -hmm. had just to get our to get our image out there, because it really is like our own reality show. So the yeah. first few years, it took time, but I saw in my second year that I could do as much as I did per year in my like 17th year of my design business. So mm -hmm. I thought oh, it makes sense. 17 years to get the here, two years, and I'm already there. Now I already had experience in business and lost and fell on my ass and all of that that goes with it. So it made me better to start real estate then because I've already been through it. So the first couple of years were tough. I mean, they definitely were tough, but I really put my um, head down and I focused and I just started getting out there. And everybody, everybody around here knows who I am because of all of that, because of the beginning. How did you get over that initial fear of being on a billboard or being on a video or being on a podcast? Well, I mean, I, I am not really overly feared. Like today when I was thinking about getting on this call, I'm thinking, what is Sam going to even ask me? I have no idea what we're going to talk about today. <laughs> so 
you know, I had like five minutes of anxiety and then I just got over it because you know what I am who I am and I you know I know my experiences you don't right so I can share my that's the point yeah tell your story we're here to, I'm, I'm interested I'm interested in the, in the business failures more than anything yeah, I'm interested yeah. in the lessons that you've learned and, and oh. the stuff that you can share with with the audience because it's our job as older and more established entrepreneurs it's our job to to train the the guys that are coming up behind us and uh, hopefully shortcut a few of the lessons so they don't have to learn the hard painful things that we did you know yeah so failures yeah, i've had enough <laughs> i don't want to <laughs> but i do feel like that that any time it could change you know so you're up here and you think everything's going great and then all of a sudden so things start to shift again so then you either have to get yourself back up or you just lay down and, and i just am not that person to lay down i always feel like there's something else I could do. So what if this whole thing fell apart? What would I do? I would figure it out because that's just who I am. I don't want that to happen. And, you know, my design business, we were doing good. Like that year, the last year we had about over a million dollars in sales and our average ticket was $400. That's a oh, lot. Wow. That's a lot of moving parts. Yeah. yeah. We had a lot of jobs. We were designing um, things. We had an embroidery machine. We had screen printing. We were physically doing the work. Like I was doing the work too. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we were doing good. And I think, you know, if we were still in business today, we would be one of the biggest ones in Pittsburgh. But the partnership failure, it, it really was difficult. I remember the day that we let half the staff go. And then we also cut the rest of the staff's salary. So we had 11 employees at that point. Mm -hmm. And we had a dark room, which if you understand design and photography, you know, we're the dark room. We're in the dark room. And one after another, everyone came in and we told them what their fate was, right? Or they're, I'm sorry, we have to let you go. Mm -hmm. and, or we're going to cut your salary because one of my partners, because I had two, got fired from his job. When he got fired, he said, I need to make that money back up. So I'm going to come and work with you. And, I'm, and I said, you can't do the work. You're not here every day. I'm the working partner. All right. So he wanted to come in and do it. And I knew it wouldn't work. So crazy stuff. So he goes, they, uh, he tells everybody and I'm standing there and I barely speak the entire day. My heart was broken. Like this was everything that I worked for for 17 years. And I just started to wow. walk apart. So that day I knew I had a contract with the two partners. And uh, that day that I left and i said hey guys i'm giving you my 90 days notice i'm out and they're like what do you mean i said i'll now be working from home for this time you know for the rest of the time so i worked at home as much as i could and i watched and they took out a loan while i was there without me being on the loan because they had majority partnership mm -hmm. so by day 89 i got about 10 guys and and two trucks and we went to both offices and we just wiped them out we took everything we took all the equipment we took all the paperwork all the you know, the, the supplies wiped out both offices. So they come in the next day, everything's gone. They left them a note and mm -hmm. they called the police and the police said, there's nothing we can do. It's a, it's a, it's not criminal. You know, it's her company. She is the president of the company. She right. Up, you're going to have to do a civil suit. So that was the day that I had to pivot because I knew how am I going to, first of all, I had nowhere to put it. So we kind of just put it in everybody's garages and tried to figure it out. And we started building it up again and we got to another, you know, we started moving up the scale. Mm -hmm. Then I saw the real estate idea and I thought, well, maybe I'll, you know, try my hand at this because I've always liked it and see if I can do it. And then kind of the other business kind of fell a little bit because we just, we didn't have the physical location. Right, right. People used to come into the office and it was tough. Like I can remember going to the hospital thinking I was having a heart attack because oh, I was Lord. 
devastated. So I spent two days there and my, I, uh, we did every test possible and it was all anxiety. Oh, it was heartbreaking because I, I loved it so much. I mean, it's so creative. You know that you're creative too. Well, I can, I can see you smiling as you're talking about it. Like you, you're reminiscing fondly, yeah. you know, I can, I can see so the look. Fun in real estate, let me tell you. It was well, real estate is exciting and ha- good for the buyers and sellers, but for the agents, it's a tough job. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I mean, you know, you know, I've, I've recently, like left a full-time career in real estate to pursue being the small business surgeon and to pursue, you know, creating media with Texas media foundry, um, real estate, it, it's, you've got to have a real strong stomach to succeed in there. And, uh, I do want to go down that road with you here in a minute, but when that, when that incident happened with the company and you lost the company and you pivoted to real estate, what was the one big lesson or takeaway that you got from that failed partnership that you've, you've carried with you into business today? I think what it wasn't even a good thing. It made me just so not trust people at all. And mm. I put up this wall. It was so big that it took a long time to break it down. I'm in a partnership now, you know, and it's definitely different. And, it's still hard. You know, it's still hard. We don't, we don't agree on everything. Right. But we do agree on a lot of things, which is helpful. Right. Right. But having a partnership is very difficult and that those, they just didn't have the same principles that I did. You know, we just didn't believe the same way. So if you're going to do something like this, you just have to make sure, just like with a marriage, you have to have, you have to get along. You have to be able to talk to each other. And we just did not have that. It was, Mm. I mean, it was important and I am so grateful for them today because if it wasn't for that happening, I wouldn't be here today. Right. 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 So of course. I'm super grateful for it. And I think that if you look back in your life and you see those things that happened and, you know, when I was 15, I, I had to have uh, tumors removed and oh, wow. I was just a little girl that I went from a little girl to an adult in like five minutes, mm-hmm. had it again at 18, you know. I just had a lot. I've had a lot of people pass away in my life and I've just been through a lot of things, just like everybody. We just have different things that we go through, but I'm just not the person just to lay down and let it all take, take over my life. It does. I have bad days, just like everyone. Yeah. I get over it faster now. You know, I definitely do Where that before, you know, I wouldn't, I would be down and out and it was devastating. So Anyways, I think the biggest lesson for me is to just be careful who you trust and everyone isn't nice. And I'm that person that thinks everyone is nice. And I, I get everybody <laughs> the benefit of the doubt. I love everybody. The new agent comes and says, I love them so much. And Mike, Mike's like, I love them too. And then we start giving them to someone else to, to hire because we're just not good at that. We want the best for everyone, which sometimes is bad in business because everyone doesn't want the best for themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a, a lot of what we do as entrepreneurs, and a, a lot of what we go through is uh, is is very mental. It's all about keeping control of that mental space and and not letting the the water outside the boat get in the boat and sink it. Right? <laughs> yeah, that's a good way of looking at it. How you you got to look at look at life a certain way, otherwise, man. I just I just try counting the positives. You know, yeah, for sure we have to, or we'll go crazy. You can't do positive and negative at the same time. So it just sure beats. You know, just think positive. Read. So personal development, all that good stuff. When, when I first like came to America and, um, first was exposed to realtors, I thought that, you know, they were all super successful folks that made a a lot of money. 
Um, along those veins, what are some common misconceptions about the real estate industry that you guys deal with on an everyday basis? One thing is what you see on HDTV is not the truth. That's oh, come on now. You're that, telling that, me reality that, television isn't true? Yeah, what? most graphic designers can't afford $2 million houses. It just doesn't make sense. So that's one thing. Um, I think real estate could take a good person and make them bad. It is so difficult. Really? It is. Million dollar producer means that you make as much as you would as a manager, maybe at Walmart. No kidding. No, no. So, million dollar producer doesn't mean, you know, it just doesn't mean what it sounds like. It's a great marketing tool, mm-hmm. but it's not the truth, right? So, the consumer sees that and they're thinking, oh, wow, they sell a million dollars. But at the end of the day, they can't live on a million dollars. Right. Cause that's, that's $30,000. So, so for, for the most part, Again, I'll generalize, but for the most part, the, the agents make a 3% commission minus the, the brokerage fees with, with the broker charges, which is normally about, in my experience, has been about 0.8%. So I would calculate my in-pocket um, as, as the, the team lead, I would get generally about 2.2% of each sale. Okay. So a million-dollar producer, it sounds good, but in my market, that's four houses and about 22 grand in your pocket. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and in our area, we've had we've had a lot of the 50 to 60 percent where the where the company takes um, you know 50 or 40 percent. Mm-hmm. So imagine that. So 50 percent. There's a ton of agents in this Pittsburgh market that are on that kind of split, and you work all this time. You another thing is you don't get paid until it closes. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. If it doesn't close. You don't get paid. It's the most backwards payment structure of anything because you do all the work up front mm-hmm. and you get paid at the end. So a day before closing, like we had one last week, the day before something happened, the buyer backed out and, and nobody gets paid. Mm-hmm. So it seems like we get paid a lot because we maybe we do one deal and we close, but maybe two f- fell apart. We mm-hmm. didn't get paid at all. So then yeah. you average that out. So I used to be feel guilty about it. Think, oh my gosh, I made this much money on one sale. And until I realized the tire kickers, the people that we showed houses to for four yep. years, never bought a house, mm-hmm. were the deals that fell apart. We didn't have a chance to, to live on that money because it's just not enough. So it looks good. It's very uh fancy like on tv but <laughs> you know the average real estate agent sells eight to ten houses in the united states so just figure those numbers unless your average sell price is a million dollars it's it just doesn't make sense yeah and and what a lot of guys don't know is that yeah the brokerage will do some marketing as as part of the fees but for the most part, realtors pay for all their own marketing. They pay for all their own leads. They pay for all their own advertising when, when they get a listing and everything else. It's, it's all additional expenses. You know, I, w- I would spend on my listings anywhere from $1,500 to $2,500 per listing yeah. on, we would do video, we do media, we do the Matterport, we'd put it all over Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, every, and we'd sell houses. I'd sell them quick. Yeah. Um, the reason I stopped selling real estate was purely because of the the, the passion I have for the, the media and for being a small business surgeon and the, the fact that I could uh, I could have more impact uh, over here on the media side of things. I mean, if uh, if I needed something to do to stay busy and wasn't able to create media, I'd go straight back to real estate. I mean, it's not a bad living. Oh. It just, I think a lot of people think that, you know, they, they see the realtor commission and they go, why is this guy getting paid this much? 
and they forget to take into account all the expenses that that agent himself has to bear. And the hours, you know, from contract to close, there could be anywhere from 10 to 15 hours just in paperwork. Yeah. Yeah. You know, calling municipalities, helping schedule dive. There's all of these little pieces and parts. Like there's so many jobs as a real estate agent that you do, even being the counsel, marriage counselor, you know, sometimes yeah. when you know, husband and wife aren't speaking and you have to go to one place. And when I first started, we actually had to go drive and get signatures. So if there was one change on the contract, we'd have mm -hmm. to drive to their house. Then we didn't have GPS. So we had to do each <laughs> one between yeah, every house, we'd print it out and have to drive through two. And it took so long to get places. And so it's Dude, I used to keep a, I used to keep a cigarette powered, uh, cigarette lighter powered, uh, inkjet printer in my car. <laughs> You did? Yeah. <laughs> That's a good idea though. Those were the days, huh? Yeah, that was when I was doing oil and gas stuff. We we'd have to you have to drive out to get signatures in person. There was no DocuSign or anything. Did did your section of the industry up there in Pittsburgh really shift when COVID came in? Because down here I found that prior to that I would get wet signatures on just about everything. Maybe fifteen percent of people would be like, nah, send it DocuSign. And then after COVID I never got another real signature again, except yeah. for the closing table. The only time we have to get real signatures, if it's somebody maybe that's older that doesn't have a you know, computer or email, but mm -hmm. we can actually walk them through. We're so good at it. Now we can teach them how to do it. So um, yeah, it's changed dramatically. It has given realtors so much more time to focus on building their business versus oh, yeah. Yeah. you know, getting single signatures. But yeah, it definitely has changed a lot. So you went in 2004-ish and pivoted into real estate and now it's 2022 and you've got a team of 200 and some agents. What was the process like from going from a single agent to carrying the weight of that team on your shoulders? How did you go about evolving and building that team? So the first year and a half was amazing. Our excitement about what we were doing was contagious. You mm -hmm. couldn't be around us. You couldn't see us on social media without feeling that excitement about what we were doing. And then it got real. And it wasn't as exciting and fun anymore because we had so many bills and we had to open new offices and we had to pivot mm -hmm. every day. So it got, it just got so difficult and you could sense it, right? You could see it when you walked in the door and when you're some of the agents that you knew personally, when they leave your company and it breaks your heart, because you have a personal, you know, personal friendship with them. And they come to you and say, I'm sorry, I'm leaving your company. I, it devastated me, Sam. Like, oh, yeah. So personally, and I still do today. I cannot help it. People say it's not personal. It's just business. Well, it's personal to mm -hmm. me because I care too much. And well, that and you spend all that time relating to these people. And when they work for you, you become their mentor, you become their confidant, you become their friend and, and, and you help them with much more than just work. So yeah, when, when somebody you're close with like that leaves uh, a business, it's always a knock to the, to the supervisor, even though I know my job is to train people up. And then, you know, especially we, we have a lot of college kids come through our media programs and stuff and, and it's to wave them off into the world with a smile, but there's always that, always that feeling of pain when somebody says, Hey, I'm, I'm going to go do something else. It's like they're leaving your little family, you know, it's tough. And I think, over the when you say well, what did I have to do to get here I had to get over that a little bit so I mean I remember having a day about two years ago where one of 
the agents who was always, I was always talking to him. He'd come in and just a week prior to that, he sat by my computer and we were going over some ideas sitting right beside me. And then mm-hmm. the next week he comes in and he had this look on his face and I just had it. I knew it mm-hmm. because I got to know that look. Right. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. For sure. Shaking. And he, he sat down and shaking, barely talking, telling me how he, he was going to leave because he got this opportunity. And I was so upset. And I remember driving down to the lake near our office not, and I'm, I'm driving. So I have driving my Corvette and everybody knows that, you know, I love to drive, but this day, this drive was not about love. It was about, I didn't know what to do anymore. Cause I loved, I love my people so much. So I sat there for about three hours. I called one of my coaches and just bawled my eyes out for hours. And I remember my husband even drove down to check on me and they, they had me on a app today everyone knew where I was in the office so Mm -hmm. they saw me sitting there for hours but nobody came but they knew that I was sitting there so I my husband came and he just followed me up you know up the road to where we lived about a half hour away and I just sat there and I thought I'm giving every single piece of me and it just doesn't matter Mm -hmm. That, that day was a big day because I had to stop letting the emotions take control of me now, today, we had someone leave today, and, and she called, and she was crying, and I was so upset because there, we built something more than just, hey, you work at Realty One Group, and you're my agent. No, mm-hmm. you're also my friend. So, but I'm better at it, you know. And I let that day be the day that I had to change because being emotional, you go from happy to so sad, and then you're mad. You're, like, so mad. Like, you're done. You're out of my life. You leave my company. You're dead to me. And that's just not fair either, you know, right, right. Need to be. And so I just have to, you have to pick yourself up and, and keep moving on because no one else is going to do this for me. And we're going to have bad days. We do all the time, but we also have a great opportunity to change people's lives. So that's why we did this business. So we could help people be the best version of themselves. But you know, like I do, Sam, some people just don't want that. And I can't make them be what they're what they don't want. So they're always looking for the next best answer. Where should I go now and see if maybe they could help me because we're not helping them enough. It's tough. It's a daily battle, but there's a lot of great things about being in this company and the the days that we get the testimonials and people are like, I love this company so much and mm-hmm. doing everything that you can to help, or I help pay off my kids, you know, college or I'm going on vacation. I actually have a life now because at my last company, I sold 20 houses and I made X and now I make double X, right. To sell mm-hmm. this money. Yeah, so yeah. I don't have to work any harder. I just have to maintain the business that I had and I can go from part-time income to full-time income. Yeah. That's yeah. what we have to offer to this whole market. So, so far, 205 out of 8,000 people have wanted the money basically <laughs> the rest they want the coddling and the support and the things that we're trying to do and with, you know our margins are tight right we don't take we we give most of it back to the agents so well that's that's the way to uh that's the way to engage and keep high quality agents is you know, yeah. let give them the the rope and give them the freedom they need to go make that money yeah. for sure <clears throat> so i would imagine uh 200 and five agents breezing in and out of your business every other day uh, creates quite a flurry of paperwork on the back end. How many, uh, how many support staff have you got kicking around up there that, uh, that, that help out? So now we're at that point where the support staff really is in high gear. We hired a COO a couple months ago. So that was a big deal for us because Mm -hmm. 
we were dealing with the minutia every day of every single piece of paperwork, everything that went wrong. Okay, something's wrong here. Now we get that that uh, well, I guess a wall or that yeah, yeah. barrier between us. And she handles it, and she's dealing with it now. She's been there three months. There have been significant changes. So we have you know a finance department which has two full time and two part time people. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have an agent care department. We have our broker who's a real estate attorney. We have the COO. Uh, We have partners in the mortgage business and the insurance agency that they are working partners. And so we have plenty of, we have another admin in another office. So I think we're staffed to hit 300 agents without a problem. And everyone now has their role. And we actually started EOS with Jen Carrasco. That was my next question. (laughs) So It's been about nine months we've been doing it. And in the nine months we've gotten rid of um, people that weren't the fit anymore, right? People write seats and we brought new people in. Now it's confusing and for the agents. They're like, why is, why is there all this change? Everything's always changing, but we have to grow. And I think a lot of the feedback we've been having lately is that we're not that, you know, happy, small family anymore. We're actually getting. Oh, right. Business. Well, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to keep that family vibe with as many agents as you've got. Um, for those, for those that the listeners that don't know, um, EOS is uh, Entrepreneur Operating Systems. Tell me, or tell us rather, a few of the major fundamental changes that you all have gone through since implementing that program. So the first thing was the way that we structure our meetings. So meetings actually have a real structure now and we get through them in an hour and a half once a week, but we have a way to do it. It's not like every week we just come with all this stuff and everybody's talking. That's number one. Number two, right people, right seats. That's been big because we did not have the right people, right seats because we didn't have an organizational chart. Mm-hmm. So everybody was helping do all kinds of pieces and parts like that family business, right? Everybody's doing the work. Like my old business where we were actually physically printing the shirts and making the screens and designing the stuff. We were doing every piece. Like I was involved in every single piece. EOS separates it and they have visionaries and integrators. Integrators are the COO who will help us implement some of the ideas that we have. And then we have department heads. So everybody has a department and that's how we'll grow and and people will grow underneath that. It has been significant on the changes. Um, It looks more big business, right? Like we actually Mm -hmm. go like a big business. Now I don't have to be there and I know everything's getting done. Mike doesn't have to be there and he knows everything's getting done. The finance director, now there's people that understand how to do it as well. So if and when she's off for a couple of days of vacation, someone else can jump in the role. So it's taken nine months, but we've made significant changes, but we have a long way to go still. So that's all the biggest thing about EOS. She comes in once a quarter, spends an entire day with us. We're working on core values, which we're struggling with because I feel like we need to embody exactly what we say. And until we know what that is, we can't just say, okay, we're going to do this or we're going to do it this way and then change because we need to really take those core values to heart. So we're working on that. All of that has been in nine months and about one, two, three, four, five, six, six different trainings we've had with Jen. And um, it's been incredible. And I feel like three years from now, we're going to be running so smoothly and maybe we can get back to that happy family because Mike and I aren't sitting in there dealing with every single thing, every single part of this company. How has, how has implementing the organizational chart and implementing the systems, how's that affected your day-to-day life as an owner? It's definitely changed what I do every day. Um, the one I, I'm not 
taking on every small task. It's also taught me delegation, which is something I've had a hard time with because I'm like I told you earlier, I'm very fast. Mm-hmm. So whenever we need to create something, I can get it done in one third of the time of a normal human being. Well, if I have to sit there and teach somebody, I'm struggling with the teaching because it's taking me longer to teach than actually do the job. Yeah, right? yeah, That's yeah. What we all struggle with as, as leaders. And so for me, it's helped me learn to delegate so that I can take the time to focus on, okay, these are the numbers. This is where we need to be. This is how many closings we need to do a month to pay the bills. This is where we need to be profitable. So now instead of having all these things run at me, I can focus on each individual thing. So that's helping me a ton as a leader. Another thing I realized is that, you know, agents need some more attention from us. And yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So right now we're, we're working on, you know, calling out to the agents. There's 200 people. It's a lot of calls, but I think we are learning from EOS that it's important for us to be that, that kind of company because they're expecting that because that's how we started. But then we, we went away from it as we were having staff and just assuming the staff was going to take care of how we wanted it to work. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In our business, it's not theirs. And they were, you know, there were some staff that was just like, they're doing it their way, which wasn't necessarily our way. And we just saw, just let them keep going. So it's helping us a ton. It's people don't like it. Some people just don't like it. They don't think it's as fun as it used to be. <laughs> And we have rules and policies and procedures and stuff that we never had. We never had HR, right? Nobody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't like somebody came and says, "Here's your book on how to do business. You need to have an HR person. You need." We didn't have any of that. We just we did a lot of things, and you know, we laughed and we had so much fun. We played jokes on each other, and now it's like you're scared to play a joke on anybody because it's just a different world. Uh, yeah, yeah. I guess you probably would get in trouble for running around with Danny's rubber chicken or something like yeah. that. You know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we. Yeah. Yeah, can do, it. <laughs> do you know what a rubber chicken showed up at our office a couple of months ago i think it's like every it's one of those with the, the squeaker inside it i think it's an office policy that everybody has to have one but it's oh, just a, i think i didn't really get that memo though <laughs> nobody nobody buys them they just kind of appear <laughs> <laughs> so i have to ask like you're sitting in a pretty pretty good position you've got a couple of hundred agents you've got your eos kicking on fire you've got things really starting to line out you've got some vertical integration as well with a couple of other uh, the insurance and the, the the mortgage business what are you most excited about right now as an entrepreneur hmm. come on it's got to excite you still otherwise you wouldn't be doing it would you uh, I mean, it's definitely <laughs> exciting when you know when people believe in us and they they join our company and they just they they love what we're doing um, I think mortgage excites me a lot because I think there's a lot of opportunity on the mortgage side that we're able to to add to our company. But it's it's frustrating when the agents won't even give us a chance. You know, that's just something that they're used to their people and they want their people. And, you know, we're just trying to do things that we can do to have more money so we can do more things for the company. And, you know, I think so. What excites me is, I don't know. I, I don't know. I have struggles with this stuff. I, I I think that just changing lives and continuing to be that person is the, the reason why we did this in the first place. So that has not pivoted at all. I still want to be that person that someone can look back and say, she really affected my life in a positive way. And so that still excites me more than you know, because that's what I'm here for. I think that 
after the money gets stripped away, when you start looking at the reasons that we really do this, I think that impact is uh, is the top answer that most entrepreneurs give. So uh, you did not surprise me with that answer, knowing the uh, knowing the person you are. Let's talk about the economy for a minute. Um, you know, we are now uh, officially in what's been termed a recession, um, and interest rates are going up. Uh, significantly and there's a lot of uncertainty about the real estate market and I always feel like the best time to buy real estate is now um, <laughs> what are your views on the best time to buy real estate with bearing in mind the uh, the economic uh, uh, squall that we're about to drive through so I think there's always going to be houses sold and I'm definitely a firm believer of why not us right so mm-hmm. there's houses going to be sold so that means that Mary and Joe used last year could afford four hundred thousand. Maybe this year they're at three thirty-five. Mm-hmm. So it's not that they can't still buy a house; they just can't buy the higher end house because the rates have changed, right? Right, right. So you know, so I'm a, I know this is not a housing bubble. This is not what we went through in two thousand eight. It's totally different. So houses are still going to sell. Fortunately for us, Pittsburgh hasn't seen major highs and lows. This is the first time since I've been in the business for all of these years that I've seen multiple offers on so many properties. Now it's slowed down. It's summer. It's vacation month. I hope that it'll pick back up because obviously we need to close transactions. Mm. But I don't look at it being so optimistic that I'm like, oh, everything's fine. It's like butterflies and rainbows. <laughs> but I also do realize that there's still going to be people buying and selling houses. It still has to happen. And well, yeah, yeah. market is stable enough, I believe, to sustain because we don't have the excruciating highs and lows. Some of the houses that sold for higher price in the last two years, you know, they may have to hold out a little bit longer, you know, in the future because they may not get what they had. But I think we're going to be all right. I'm, I'm worried like I should be because our company depends on houses selling. Mm-hmm. But I hope that, you know, I hope that our country comes out of this faster. And if we get in, I, here's my idea. Let's everybody not watch the news for 30 days and see what happens. Oh, it'd be wonderful. Shut it down. Just shut off the news. And I think we would change the whole place. That's what I think. I I think that the the demand for independent media has never been greater. I I can't believe some of the rubbish that that, that makes it onto the news. And so... Yeah, I don't, uh, I don't. I don't really watch that. So, given the given the economic uh, challenges that we're facing, if I was considering a career in real estate right now, what's uh, what's a piece of advice you would give to me, or you know, somebody that's looking to start out being an agent? I think most importantly is realize when you get in the business that you need to let your family and friends help you. You need to build your database because you know, Ryan Stuman talks about database and how important it is, right? A lot of agents will go six, 10 years in the career and haven't written down even one of the properties that they sold. Wow. The very first day in, in my, in my business, even as a creative type, I started a sell spreadsheet. I knew where the property was, who the buyer seller was, what, how much it sold for what the commission I made. And most importantly, where the lead came from. So from day one, I tracked that for 17 years. I don't have to track it anymore because I'm not selling as much. But right, I could right. then go into that database and I would be able to see, you know, did, did the advertising that I did work? 
you know, did the, where did all the leads come from? I could see all of that. And right, then I right. on it. And every year, Sam, 72% of the business that I had came from my past client sphere of influence list, which means I had to work that, right? You can't right, just get right. one postcard and be like, they sent one postcard and I didn't get anything. Well, their whole, I always say this, and I probably said it a million times, seven times creates memory, 12 times equals mind dominance. So with marketing, with talking to people, like if I got to tell you the same thing over, finally at the seventh time, you're like, oh, I got it. So it's just that natural repetition that works. But my biggest advice is to work your database, work your people. They say every person on a funeral wedding has an average of 250 people, right? Those people can be your support system. So start there. Come in the first day when you're going to go into your real estate office, write your 100 people down, get your get written down their email address, their phone number, and start marketing. If you market to them, 10% of your business should come from that database. So if you have 100 people, that's 10 deals. If you have 1,000, that's 100 deals. So it definitely works if you work it. That is the way to build outside of internet leads and all of these flashy ways to get business. Work your database. That's what people miss is that like data's like it's like the new gold. Um, data's irreplaceable to a business, and having a database of past clients to keep in touch with and to farm—it's the easiest place for referrals. It costs about six times less to re-engage a previous client than it does to go and acquire a new one, and yet so many people that I work with don't even have a CRM built out. Right. Yeah. Talk about that and selling your company. Say you're say I'm in business till I'm 65, and at that point I'm ready to move away. Mm-hmm. I could take my database and sell it off to someone and say, okay, give me 35% referral fee for the next 10 years. Mm-hmm. Here's all of my data. These people have bought year after, you know, every seven years they buy a new house or have that relationship where you can sell a piece of it. And you don't have that if you just have scribbles of paper all over the place. <laughs> CRM is so important and building that and consistently reaching out to them and sending them things and, you know, treating it. There's an agent in Florida. She created a private page and she does like every month she'll do like a giveaway and just mm-hmm. her clients are in there and she does all these cool things. The money she spends is so much less than what typical advertising costs because she's doing things like she might do a $500 giveaway in a month. You know, she could spend that just on Facebook ads. Right, right. So, for sure. And what she's going to get from that 500 are people that love her so much because they're, she's doing all these fun things for them. So there's just, I think that's my biggest piece of advice. If you're getting the business, run it like a business. Uh, you know, you, for the amount of cost to be a real estate agent per year, in here it's about $3,000. Mm-hmm. Imagine just getting rent and electric and um, telephones and service in a you know storefront, how much that costs. It's very inexpensive to be a real estate agent. So work the database. And I just feel like that's the best advice I could ever give anybody starting in this business. Amen. Well, any business really. I mean, yeah, sure. databases, <laughs> referrals, word of mouth. I mean, the, the strongest leads I get are from satisfied customers that are sending me business. Yeah, and they're the best. Any business does that, you know, so, uh, so yeah, some, some good advice. And I did notice, by the way, that you said you started out with an Excel sheet. Is that right? I did. So all of you guys going, I don't know which CRM to use or any of that kind of stuff. Uh, you've got no excuses. Start with Excel, start with a Google doc, start with anything. Somebody once told me, uh, Dion, that the, the best CRM on the market is the one that you'll use. 
no matter what it is, right? <laughs> it's so easy because the cool thing about it is you can export into Word and make labels. You can, mm -hmm. you can export into a new CRM as you grow. And if you need something more robust, you know, just have something that you can categorize. And it's so simple to do. When you close out a deal, just add the information. I always, one other little piece of advice, when I was had a listing agent, I would always put the new buyer's name and, and that address in my database so that I could market to them too because I knew their other agent wasn't. I can't yeah. even tell you the amount of deals that I got from an agent that never marketed when I they didn't even remember their name because my name was top of mind. Wow, that's that's awesome! I way to go over and above and actually do the work, you know. So really okay. well done there, really well done. All right, let's pivot. Um, you probably know that I, like you, am a huge believer in continuing education, and I can see a nice fat stack of books behind your head on that bookcase over there. <laughs> Could you share with us maybe a couple of books that you've read recently that have had an impact on you as maybe as a person or as an entrepreneur? The one the most recent is called Two Chairs by Bob De Bob Bodine. Um, Ooh, I've not read that. Tell me about that one. Talked about this lady teaching her son how to have two chairs in their house, and one was for her and one was for Jesus. So every day she would get up and she would have a conversation with him, and mm -hmm. that was her space. And so just reading it, I'm halfway through and. I already have the two chairs set up and I sit in there and every day I go in and sit there and talk and he talks about you talk for a minute and he can and, li and listen for four and little things like that just to, to kind of calm down, kind of meditate a little bit in your own mind, I think has been helpful for me. Thinking Grow Rich has literally changed mm -hmm. my career. Um, this first, I, I started by watching The Secret and then The Secret turned me on to Science of Success. I mean, Science of Getting Rich. And then Think and Grow Rich, which now I have for five years, I've had a, a monthly mastermind of Think and Grow Rich, where we meet once a month and we do chapter by chapter. And we've read it like six times in a row. We just keep going over. One time we read Law of Success, which is about this thick, mm -hmm. and what Think and Grow Rich came from. So that's been a big player, big, big book for me. Um, oh, Happy Money. I've been reading that too. So I, I don't read steady. I read and jump. Like I jump around and read. But Happy Money, Barbara from our group talked to me about and talked uh -huh. about the energy of money and you know how how where it comes from if it's bad energy you know it can continue on so i would love to read as i age though when i read i fall asleep too fast <laughs> <laughs> so i'm getting older so i'm like i can't even see it so i've been listening a lot i've been you know i have uh, i've been with Satim Magali on the huddle once a week. That oh, how is how is that because he is one of he's one of my favorite podcasters just give him a shout out right now so good. And his, he, so he comes on every Wednesday at noon live and he just, he is so great of a speaker. And at one time I was like the only person on there. So he was talking to me and telling me all these tips that I had. So it's small enough now that you can really get some good information. So that I do once a month with pastor Keith, mm -hmm. he does that leadership training. That's, that's Keith Kraft. Uh, again, another amazing leader. He's, he's got a great podcast too. I don't know if he's put out any episodes recently. Um, but I've been training for leader, it's leadership training. Mm -hmm. I've been working back through his podcast uh, and Satema's too. Yeah, yes. it's, he's so cool. And then you know we have a local coach, and of course we are in um, we're in Ryan's group, mm -hmm. executives, and we're doing that every month, and it's been so great for us. I've learned a lot and met amazing people. So I'm always about developing my mind because it's hard to do this all by yourself without. Oh yeah, yeah. It, you know, and I mean, look at just just watching you in the last year since we've met. Your growth has been amazing. So, you know, thank you. We're, we're gonna fall. 
we, we do. And even the best of us do, the best of the people that we listen to. But I'm a firm believer that we need to learn from people that are more successful than us and mm-hmm. take advice from them. And I think that just makes us better. And I think Think and Grow Rich, it says seek expert counsel. In the Bible, it says seek expert counsel. It does, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back to that. So why do we try to figure this out on our own? Or why do we talk to people that, that are not as successful as us? And that's where all that chatter comes in the office mm-hmm. thing to people. Like this one person says, well, they don't give us this or they don't do this or they don't call me back fast enough. Then it just goes around and around and around. Well, why aren't you listening to people that are successful, more successful instead of getting all that chatter? I don't know. I'll never understand that. But we're being guided through all of this personal development and I, I can't even imagine how people are in business without having coaches or mastermind groups. I have no idea. I think they're just stubborn. <laughs> to figure out every hard thing they possibly can. Well, you know, I didn't invest in coaching until uh, I, I had already lost my, my, my big company. Like, you know, and I was starting out again uh, and I was 37 years old starting over. And I did it. I spent... Oh my God, it was about three and a half grand a quarter on real estate coaching, which at the time was just just an insane amount of money. <laughs> but the amount that buying coaching like fast tracked my success was just knocked years off. If I'd have had a coach while I had my supplement business, I probably would still be well in business, you know. Right. But imagine if you had a supplement business right now and you were just listening to Andy Frisella every every week and joined his coaching mm-hmm. i do listen i do and andy frisella is probably the 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 most uh, I, I listen to his podcast the most so it's incredible and the way he built his company and the customer service and mm-hmm. we all can learn from that so even if we're not in the supplement business we can learn and that's the i think i pride myself most on that is because we don't give up and we're always learning so we can we learn to teach and yeah you know, and that's what we're doing. So when we get pushback and when someone says we're not, you know, oh, we're, you know, we're not answering the phone every five minutes and we're, you know, we're not the family business. It's because we're trying to grow so that we can be better for them and mm-hmm. help them to be better. That's all. It's not about anything else. Yeah. I think that as, as entrepreneurs, it's, it's very difficult to find that balance. And the one thing I like that first form does that we I've incorporated and I do it on the show as well is like, I will send handwritten cards or small gifts to everybody I do business with after the transactions complete. Uh, even after the podcasts are complete, I write down a little note and thank you note and send that out. But like when transactions are complete, um, I like to get them a little something specific to their company. Um, and you know, with media, that's, that's relatively easy because we can pull images and get prints made and we, we ship custom prints and these guys are part of the shoot and stuff. And I got that from first form yeah. from, you know, taking I got an invoice from my master brain and every single time they're handwritten notes on there. I, I save them because I think it's incredible customer service. I love it. Mm-hmm. It's this, uh, there's a lot, a lot to learn. So, mm-hmm. Before I wrap this up, because I've had a, a, a really fun uh, hour talking to you. It's, it's been an hour. Wow. Uh, it's awesome. been, yeah, it's been like 50, <laughs> 50 plus minutes now. Um, and I got a couple more questions to get through. Um, and thank you, because I feel like I could talk to you for another hour. So um, may, maybe I'll have to do that at a later <laughs> date. Um, but, you know, the show really was was conceived from the fact that entrepreneurs don't talk enough about failure and about how common it is. And they're always focused on the success. 
And so I, my question for you is, what's the one thing that you would tell an entrepreneur such as yourself, maybe five, maybe 10 years ago, um, that you could give one piece of advice uh, that they could take with them for the next few years that would save them a few headaches? Well, I think what we just talked about, the personal development, because if you look at uh, professional athletes, they have mm -hmm. coaches more than just what they do, right? I was just better off because I was a Steeler fan. And, you know, Ben had a mindset coach, a throwing coach, a running coach, you know, tackle, had everything. He probably had life coaches. So he had multiple coaches to teach them different things. I think that that's a critical part of being in business. And another thing that I struggle with is the imposter syndrome. I have that. Yes. Lot, right? Yeah. Yeah. Especially in our group, like, oh my gosh. I, and I feel like I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. You know, we didn't have a lot growing up, but we have a lot of love, but we didn't, I didn't even know we didn't have a lot in my head because that's mm -hmm. what I thought was normal. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then when you get older and people say things to you and you're, you start to feel like an imposter and like, Sometimes I even do it now. I mean, we're 200 people in and I still feel like we're not good enough. So you really need to work on that stuff and really learn how to bounce back and get yourself up again, because it can, it can cause more people to fail than anything else is just not believing in yourself. How do you find that self-belief? It's hard. It's one thing. <laughs> it's hard some days. Some days I just want to just. Oh, and I think you know, being a woman versus a man, I think there is something to, about that and the emotional things. As much as I try to be a tough guy, you know, there's still that emotion of fear of you know of living and fear of what's mm -hmm. going to happen next. And you know, how do we get through this? What if we fail? Like all of those questions. So for me, it's reading and you know, listening to things and in the morning when I'm driving to work, putting something in so that I'm constantly keeping my head focused on something that's positive. It's a hard life being an entrepreneur, but it's so glorious. There's so many great things about the freedom of entrepreneurial. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, when you get it right, when you get it right, boy, it's right. I just, my worry, and to be honest, my worry is if I have enough time to get it all right. Oh, you'll be fine. Come I'm, on now. I'm 54. <laughs> um, I'll give you this though. The way I, the way I tackle on, uh, Imposter syndrome is because uh, I had it. I had it bad, especially you know. I I lost myself in my company. Um, I had it bad, but the way I tackled that is uh, let me see yours. Come on, let me see yours. If I'm the imposter, you bring out your real estate brokerage with 200 people. Come on, yeah. I'll wait. Go I get like yours. It. Yeah, so. and I, I do go through that sometimes. I think you know when everybody's giving us tips and reasons why we should do this or do that. I'm thinking. Okay, mm -hmm. do you have a company with 200 people? Like, yeah. do you understand what I go through every single day? Because mm -hmm. it's not all sunshine and rainbows. It really is not. I promise. <laughs> you know, we do a lot of smile, a lot of social media, you know, the, the whole Kardashian thing, right? You're always going to be putting mm -hmm. on your best face forward. They don't get to see that other side and it's yeah. crying or can't even, like, you just don't even believe enough in yourself. There's some days you don't even want to get up, but you do it anyways. Yeah. Yeah, you do. And, uh, man, you've done it so well. You've got 200 and 200, not employees. You've got 200 team members working with you and you're building their dreams with them too. So, I mean, I think you've done an exceptional job. I don't think you should be an imposter at all. And, uh, if that does go back through your head, just remember, Hey, let me see yours. Let me see Come yours. I'm, gonna, I'm definitely going to use that. Don't worry, Sam.
<laughs> All right, my dear. I got one more question for you, and it's super, super straightforward. Um, for those people that have really enjoyed listening to you and want to know a little bit more about you, maybe want to follow you on social media and uh, sign up for your mailing list for whenever you drop your new book. Yeah. Uh huh. I'll just, I'll just, I'll just speak that into reality for you because I, I know it's coming. <laughs> Where can we follow you on social media? So just if you search Dion Malish, D-I-O-N-N-E-M-A-L-U-S-H on my personal page. Um, I have a realtor page, but my personal one is the best thing if you want to reach out to me because I'm really focused on that. And I have two. I have one with my middle name too, but the one that's just Dion Malish is the right one. And you're welcome to email or call me like DionMalish.com. You can get all of my contact information. Perfect. And that's about it. So, I mean, I'm, I'm very easy to find. Just type in my name and there's only one of me. One of me. Wonderful. <laughs> yeah, I had to, I had to, um, I had to write it out a few times to make sure I got the spelling right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but we'll put all the links and everything in the show notes, my dear. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I've I really, really it. enjoyed it, uh, guys. Um, if you've enjoyed this show, do me a favor and do Dion a favor and uh, screenshot it, share it, tag us both. You can tag me at Small Business Surgeon. We'll upload all of Dion's links into the show notes as well, um, and. Wow. What a great interview. I've really, really enjoyed this last hour talking to you, Dion. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. And I'll see you in a, probably in about a week or so. Yeah, I'll see you in a week or so. All right, guys, that was Dion. Do me a favor, run over to her socials, show her some love, and uh, I am going to get out of here. All right, you'll be good, stay safe, and I will see you later in the week. This has been the Small Business Surgeon Podcast. If you've made it this far, you clearly like it. So go on iTunes and leave us a five-star review. This helps people find the show and spread the good word. Share with friends and follow us at Small Business Surgeon on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you for your follow-up next week. The Small Business Surgeon was recorded at Texas Media Foundry in historic downtown Bryan, Texas. Check them out at txfoundry.com or on social media at txfoundry. Thanks for tuning in.